as you're building a side hustle, or even if you're in a position where you have to start building your own primary independent hustle, you really have to be scrappy to get your really basic needs covered. You know, you got to cover the mortgage. You got to be able to cover your health insurance. You got to be able to cover, you know, transportation and food. Okay, you get those things covered, and then all of a sudden, each each new project starts building on that, and it feels like magic. One of the things that I've that I've done, and I'm I'm working independently now, but I've, I've I've worked for myself half my adult life, and so you know I'm used to working independently. But I actually look at clients like, ah, well, that guy will cover my mortgage and that project will cover my health insurance. Oh, I just got a small project. It covers the car payment for this month. <laughs> I actually break things down uh, based on, you know, what they'll cover. And it's, it's been great to be able to do that. And, uh, and especially, you know, recently going, oh, well, that's money I can save. Oh, that's money I can give away. Oh, we're in good shape. You know? Job hunting. It's the one thing we're never taught as we enter the adult world. Gone are the days of knocking on doors and simply getting a job based on a firm handshake, asking to speak to the hiring manager, and making a good first impression. Today's job hunt has more resources and more opportunities than ever before. But there's no roadmap to ensure that you don't lose your way or your mind when navigating today's complex job market. Welcome to Recruiting Hell. I'm your host and guide, Rob Conlon, and this podcast is for anyone who is frustrated with the current job hunt and looking for guidance as to what to do next to find a new or better job. We're on a mission to educate as many job seekers as possible on how to improve their work life, and since its inception, this show has helped find and secure more than $1.5 million in salaries and benefits for our listeners at new jobs that they love. So please, come and step into my studio, and let's teach you how to get out of the hell that is your job hunt. Welcome to Series 4 of Recruiting Hell. I'm your host, Rob Conlon. Now, you might be asking yourself, hey, what does Series 4 mean? Well, let me explain. In the production of this podcast, I've had three sets of 20 episodes, and I've called them seasons in the past. But if you've been with me and the show for a while, you've seen and heard the show evolve over each one of those seasons. This episode starts the newest and boldest experimentation with the show to date, and this time through, we're focusing on an overarching story throughout these 20 episodes, and that story is building a better job seeker. Now, you might think that the whole point of this show is to do just that. But in these 20 episodes, we're going to focus in harder on you. Whether that's developing skills, learning about physical fitness while unemployed, or stepping into a completely different type of career. That last one is something we're going to learn a little bit more about today with our guest. He's a veteran guest of this show, and he's absolutely one of my favorite people that I've met from my efforts in making this program and growing in my network in 2020 and 2021. Please welcome Rex Roy, my favorite marketing man from Michigan. Now, for those of you who don't know Rex, he and I met via LinkedIn last year when I stumbled upon his new entrepreneurial product and project, MyCareerSnapshot.com, which was an integral part of my job search in 2020. 
Rex, it is fantastic to have you back on the show. And as I was writing that intro, I realized it's been over a year since you were first here. And we've stayed in touch basically about quarterly, if not more like monthly since then, which is just wild. It has been a ball. Thank you for having me back. Uh, my pleasure, my friend. Now, listeners, if you want to catch our original conversation, finish up this episode and go back to October 2020 in whatever podcast platform you're using. Tune in to episode 21 for the first round of our conversation. Now, Rex, I had you back for two reasons today. The first is a topic that I really, really wanted to pick your brain about. And I, we talked about this in kind of our pre-conversation, and that's entrepreneurship. And going it alone when life deals you really crummy cards. Now, the second is that I also want to get an update on where your entrepreneurial journey has taken you with MyCareerSnapshot.com. So back to the first question, though. We know your story begins with COVID downsizing you at your marketing job. But I guess the question I have for you is, what made you decide to create your own product and start a business rather than go looking for work with someone else or somewhere else? That's a good question. And it's actually got a very obvious answer. So I was downsized from an event marketing firm in the spring of 2020. Obviously with COVID, there were, there were no events anymore. So the type of work that I did, you know, for 18 months completely disappeared. You know, I saw it coming as events started to shut down in, in April and May and realized that an old guy like me, I'm almost 60, I was in no position to retire. And I had to start to plan for getting back into the job market. And, you know, I looked at my resume and I updated it. You know, my resume is fine, mm -hmm. but it doesn't stand out, you know, at a, at a quick glance. So I thought about how I did marketing for many of my clients, you know, and we would, we would always use metrics to help uh, sell something, whether it was a product or whether it was to, you know, reinforce the effectiveness of the events that we held. And, and we would look at metrics, you know, like how many people came through the gate? How much stuff did they buy? And we would package those into kind of a neat little graphic. And we would, we would use those to help win projects down the road. And I thought, you know, I've been doing this for my clients for years. Why don't I do it for myself? I've produced hundreds of videos, hundreds of TV commercials, hundreds of radio commercials. I spent almost a decade as a journalist. So I've had, you know, uh, five, six hundred bylines. And I put all of those things together. I showed it on LinkedIn, the snapshot. And oh my gosh, my LinkedIn network went nuts. And that's when you found me. My LinkedIn network encouraged me to commercialize it. And so that's what I, I spent the summer of uh, 2020 doing, which was great because there was of, of the kind of work that I did. You know, events were shut down. There weren't any speeches. People weren't producing, you know, the types of things that that they had done before in the in the business world that I was in. And so I couldn't have found a job if I wanted to. You know, the country was shut down. Unemployment was, you know, through the roof. It was a terrible time. So I focused on commercializing it. Right. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to back things up here a little bit to what you said about, you know, making this entire thing. But there was no work to be had even at that time. So it was almost like, I, I would say, and not to put words in your mouth, but like it was do this or do nothing. Rob, you are completely right. If, if I hadn't have been working on that, I don't know what I would have been doing. I needed to focus my energy on something that I thought would be productive, that I knew helped me because my snapshot helped me 
in terms of networking and in terms of getting visibility, especially on, on LinkedIn. It started a lot of conversations for me that have, have led to very good things, you know, months and even years, you know, more, more than a year now down the road. It has, it has made a big difference for me in terms of visibility and networking. Looking at the networking aspect of this, Rex, I, would you say that there's a market for almost anything out there? So if somebody has an idea and they want to be an entrepreneur, can they just throw anything out to the world and say, hey, this is a thing? Or is there more to it? Certainly somebody can, you know, <laughs> there have been pet rocks, right? So there have, there have been a lot of ideas that, you know, I look at as a crusty old guy and go, that's dumb, but they've worked. People find them popular. I, you know, take TikTok, for example. I suppose that anything can be marketed. Will it sell? You know, yes. that's the question. And, you know, I certainly don't have an answer to that. I do think that in the in the in the case of snapshot i think that there's a need and i and i think that it can genuinely help people and i'm and i'm hopeful that it continues to do that sure you know we've had really interesting comments i did one last month for a young woman in her early 30s and you know she's had a good in the in the time that she's been working what really struck me is she sent me a note afterwards that that said I really didn't realize what I had accomplished. Thank you for helping me see that. If you can give them uh, a vehicle by which they can see what they've done, they can see the value that they brought to the marketplace, they, they see what they can offer other companies. I, that's, a, that's, that's really powerful, and I'm excited to be a part and of I that. think that you you've touched on another great point there is that a vehicle to bring something to market is is literally what entrepreneurship is about and whether you're taking something like somebody's career and bringing that to market and, and saying this is my product or you're creating you know the next fidget spinner or whatever it might be I really think entrepreneurship is something that that has a very firm hold with especially how connected we are now. You know, you said that a lot of the uh, big things about Micro Snapshot at first were that you took it to your network and it was like, again, that's how I found you in this case was that I saw this really neat thing that people were talking about consistently. So I guess the qu question I have next, Rex, is, you know, every business starts somewhere. People go and they maybe they get a loan from a bank. That's kind of the old style of doing it. Maybe you crowdfund, maybe you beg, borrow and steal, whatever it might be. So with micro snapshot and things like that. The, the next question, question I have, and this is, you know, applying this to all entrepreneurial projects, including some of my own resources, building a business takes time, but it's, we know it's not free. And I think that's one of the biggest obstacles. I know it was for me in starting my side hustle was I had 26 bucks in my pocket. That was it. Starting this podcast, which, you know, eventually evolved into my side hustle was, really tough to do with such limited resources. What kind of resources do you feel are necessary for someone to consider an entrepreneurial path and be successful on it? You've already hit on it and it's, and it's genuinely time. If you truly want to do something, you have to make the time to do it. And you have to learn the skills that are required to make it happen. And you got to be clever. You know, with with what you did, you invested a ton of time. Oh yeah, and <laughs> that's all I had. 
and you didn't get paid for it. Right. But but you knew that that it was going to pay off. You knew that it was going to lead to something. You could you could you know mentally make that argument that you were building relationships, that you were expanding your network, that you were gaining a visibility that you would never have. And while you probably didn't think that you would have, you know, you know, atomic dollars attached to it right. anytime soon, you knew that you were going in the right direction. And that's the way that I felt about my career snapshot. I, in, I, I invested a ton of time early on. I actually learned about web development and I, and I built my website myself, you know. I asked for help from a number of different people, including <laughs> our younger daughter, who happens to be a, a web analyst for a major Detroit ad agency. Ah. So she was able to say, you know, Dad, you need to do this here, and here I'll write a little bit of code for you, and you need to fix this. And But I pulled all the graphics together. I did all the writing for it. I did the design. And it it was enough to get us off the ground. You know, one of my son-in-law said, Rex, it's minimum viable product. You got it there. This is going to work to get you off the ground. And Interesting. That's what I that's what I shot for. Sometimes, you know, minimum viable product is is the right goal when you're an entrepreneur. You know, you can envision something bigger and grander, but you just have to start somewhere. Definitely. And I think that that's probably one of the hardest things to come up with as like a minimum viable product. Like what is the one thing that I can do that starts to turn revenue, that starts to make it so that I have other things to reinvest back in this business. You know, for, for myself, you know, I mentioned that it was the last 26 bucks in my, my of free cash I had in my wallet. You know, Rex, you said that time was the other major one. Anything else that, aside from money and time, factor into becoming an entrepreneur? Asking people for help judiciously. Okay. There are there there are people in your network that are and I'm and I'm and I'm saying this as a generalization. But you know people that are smarter than you in different areas. You know, whether it's an accountant or a lawyer. I had those people in my life as well that I talked to about snapshot. You know, while I was designing my site, I I talked with people about good web design. I asked friends and colleagues about what was the best web host platform to build something on. I looked for different options for my design team so that I knew that I would have enough designers to take on the work that we had. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I talked with different people about how I could organize that staff. And, you know, accessing the intelligence that's in the community around you is really key. You know, don't think that you have to go it alone. I, you know, ask for help from people that you know and trust. And of course, you know, you don't want to be a continual mooch. That's not what right. I'm saying. But you can ask questions and get help sincerely that, that will make a difference in you reaching that, you know, first plateau of minimum viable product to, to get you launched. And so listeners, what I think we, we can take away from there is that there is a very judicious way to ask for help. Human beings are helpful creatures. I, I think we can say that, Rex. You know, we like to help others out. It's kind of how we got to being the dominant species on this planet. But one of the things that I think really is so telling, and I've had other guests say this, Rex, is that you can't necessarily just go to LinkedIn and be like, I need a job, or 
I need help with my entrepreneurial shit. It's like, why, you know, you have to kind of give a little bit before you receive in this case. And I think you really hit on that, that you do have the people in your network, no matter if you hit your network is tiny, if your network is just a few hundred people, or if your network is large, as mine has blossomed into now, which is wild. I think that folks who are looking for entrepreneurship, there's a lot of ways to be of service to your network, but also to sort of get something in return from them as well. So Rex, we're talking about kind of the initial phases of entrepreneurship here. This is you know, super tiny startup, you know, getting to a minimum viable product. At one point in time, there's a leap that has to be made. How do you take that leap from this is my side hustle, this is my, you know, hobby or, or, or job hobby, jobby, if you will. And how do you make that leap to go to something that is more like, well, now this is all I do. It was my side hustle. Now I am an entrepreneur with this. How does that look to most people? Well, I can tell you how it looks for me. My primary work is that I'm a writer and a producer. I, I have a, a communications consultancy that's called Regis Communications. And we have uh, half a dozen clients now since I, I, I got back in the marketing game at the end of 2020. And it has been a ball. It really has. It's been a really interesting ride. You know, you know this about me, but I've, I've worked for myself half my life. And, you know, primarily I worked with big ad agencies mm-hmm. uh, when, I, when I was employed by someone else. And when I was on my own, I worked as a journalist. But I also, back in the 90s, I had my own marketing agency. Mm. So working, working independently is something that I know and understand pretty well. I'm comfortable with it. This, this latest iteration of Regis Communications is, is kind of following the same path. It, it started slowly with some freelance writing projects, and I used my LinkedIn network to let others know that I was back in the freelance game. And then bigger projects started coming in, projects where I needed to hire designers, uh, hire programmers, hire web, des- you know, web building companies animators, you know, and that leap from, it, you know, Rex making small amounts of money, like not able to cover the mortgage money right. to now I'm, I'm, I make a, I make a good salary. You know, we're, 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 we're definitely financially viable again, which I can say 18 months ago we weren't, but that, but that transition happens by just not giving up and, and, and by using the tools that, everybody has and that and that they work to develop just like what you're doing you and i are on parallel paths you know we use our network to get the word out about what we do and about how we can be helpful to other individuals or other companies that's what we do primarily use linkedin to let people know the types of projects i'm i'm working on you know Prior to us hitting the record button we were talking about some trade show work that i did in indianapolis in december I made sure that I promoted that on LinkedIn because people don't know that I've done trade show work right. and, and there's a good business in that. Now, that's not going to translate to work in January or February, no. but it might translate into work some other time in 2022 or 2023. You never know. But you've got to hustle. And it's actually not all that much different than what we were talking about for the nascent entrepreneur when you're, when you're just trying to get started. It's an investment of time. 
You know, if, if you're going to grow something, you've got to put the time into it. And, you know, that time is planning out a LinkedIn strategy. That, that, that time is making sure that you connect with, you know, past clients as well. I mean, I, I, I spend time every quarter making sure that I go back and touch base with clients that gave me work in 2020, just in case, you know. And it was back in, in, in September, I got a job from somebody I hadn't worked with in 20 years. Wow. <laughs> and, yeah. It's just, you know, the guy said, Rex, I saw you on LinkedIn and I see you're doing freelance and this just came up and I need help right now. Can you help me? I was like, sure. Got it. Why not? Yeah. And Why I not? think that that, that long game that you're describing, Rex, whether it's for an entrepreneurship thing. And again, we, we actually talk about this a lot at my day job is that when you make a podcast, it's not a short game. A lot of times some of these, these very marketing and numbers and metrics focused folks come and they say, well, the show has been in the water for four episodes. How many, how much money have we made? And it's like, whoa, 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 like hold up <laughs> in this case. So I think stressing that to folks who are in an entrepreneurial mindset and going on an entrepreneurial path, potentially that time is the one thing that's probably, I would say maybe your biggest enemy in that you don't want to give up too soon. Obviously there are some, some times where you can, you have to throw in the towel, you know, you can't just not pay your mortgage or, or your bills and, and hope that, you know, whatever widget you've designed sells to people. But at the same time, keeping that going on the side, that momentum start to build is very slow at first. And I think that people don't notice that until, I mean, if they even do notice it until it's almost too late, if you will. The next thing I wanted to talk about really a little bit here, Rex, was, you know, maybe somebody is considering becoming an entrepreneur, but not all of us are, you know, mechanically inclined people or can mix up like super sticky glue chemicals like that flex tape guy. How does somebody who potentially wants to be an entrepreneur find the capability to actually create something that the rest of the world may want to buy, especially if it's a product? I think it's an interesting place, you know, it's an interesting question to say, how do you come up with an idea that the world wants? I have never looked at things that way. My question has always been, what can I offer people of value? So that's very different. And, and, I, and I think that that's an easier question to grasp because it's a smaller question. You know, you, you are looking at yourself and the capabilities that you have. You are not trying to be somebody else. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to be the next guy that comes up with the super sticky glue that you can spray on your gutters or, you know, spray on a screen and then put in the bottom of a rowboat. Okay, right. that's not me. I'm, I'm a guy that's a communications expert. You know, I know how to help sell things, you know, whether it's products or with my career snapshot, I help people sell themselves. And I do that by communicating with uh, visuals and the written word. I would encourage people to think about what they do. Just, I mean, just like you have, you know, you have the skills that you have as a, as a podcaster. You've got the production skills. You've got the people skills. You've got the storytelling skills. And you took all of those things and went, I can do a side hustle with this. And that's, that's really what I'd encourage people to do is look at what they, the talents and the skills that they have, that they can turn loose for other people and, and add something to their lives, to bring value to their lives. 
you know, so that's how I'd approach We've it. We've talked about people who want to approach this. And so, Rex, the next question I want to ask is, in your opinion, is there an entrepreneurial type? Why or why not? Oh, absolutely. Oh, my goodness, yes. There are folks, you know, that have told me directly, I just want to go to work for somebody. I want somebody to tell me when to show up. I want somebody to tell me what I'm supposed to do during the day. And I want somebody to tell me when it's quitting time. I want to get my paycheck because that's how I compartmentalize work. You know, I've got a full life. I use work to fund my life. And that's just where I want to keep it. And that's terrific. If, if that's the mindset that you have, uh, that's wonderful. That is, that is one mindset to have. And the world runs on people like that. There are other people, and I am certainly in, in, in this category. My brain is just turning all the time. You know, I, I am definitionally entrepreneurial. I'm always thinking about how to, how, to, how to sell more of my own services, how to sell more of the products that my communications consultancy offers, how to make my career snapshot a bigger and better company, what ancillary products can we offer through the, through the company, how do we get people to know about those things. I'm constantly turning on those things because I find them interesting and because I think that there's a great challenge a personal challenge for me in making something like that successful. And I actually just really recoil at the idea, you know, of somebody <laughs> saying, you got to work from nine to five and we just want you to do this very limited thing. And that's all you're going to do. That's all you're allowed to do. And I, I, I look at any situation, I mean, I, it could be Rex working at a hardware store or, you know, me at a grocery store or whatever. And, you know, if you have those, those, those walls up, I look at everything and go, but I could do this for you and that would work better. And I could do this for you and that would work better too. Why can't I do these additional things for you? I can fit them into the day because I'm, I'm, I'm a very efficient person. But, you know, jobs like that have tall walls and people have to just do the jobs that they do. And I just, I, I can't stay in that space. That's just not who I am. Right. So if somebody felt that way, maybe they, maybe they are constrained by that nine to five, that grind, if you will. And maybe they want something more if it, not to, you know, get too Disney on us, but you know, if you're Ariel, the little mermaid and you're going, I want more, maybe this is an opportunity to look at entrepreneurship and, and start it as that side hustle where maybe that structure that you mentioned, Rex, that structure of the nine to five, the, or the eight to five or whatever it might be, where you're doing this one thing, maybe that's your mortgage. Maybe that's your health care. You know, all these things that have been a, that are staples that are needed for life. Maybe you have to do the, the main hustle from certain hours and live within that box, but after hours, expanding, kicking out of that box and doing something for you, building something for yourself, I think is, is where you're, you're probably going with that. And I think that, yeah, that's, that's a very astute way of how you feel is very similar to how I felt about it. And any listeners that are feeling that same way, you might have the entrepreneurial bug, <laughs> which is great. Practically what you just said, Rob, is a really great path to take. And it's a, it's a very specific mindset. First of all, if you've got a job, be grateful for it. And, you know, do your best while you're there. Take care of your employer and do what you're supposed to do. Mm -hmm. Use that, like you said, 
as the foundation for you to launch that entrepreneurial endeavor, you know, whatever it is. Like you said, you've got the financial security, you've got a paycheck coming in every couple of weeks, that's a great place to be. Then invest your time and in, in, into finding out what it is that you can offer that's of value how to present that, how to commercialize it, and all the different things that you have to do to actually create a going concern. And it's tough. I mean, it's, it, it is, you know, figuratively burning the candle at both ends. You know, it's a lot of work to start a new business. And it's a lot of work to hold down a single job. I mean, that's, that's not an easy thing, you know, because jobs are demanding. They take a lot out of you. It's rarely just 40 hours a week anymore. I get it. But if you've got that and you've got another 10 or 20 or 30 hours in your in your in your work week that you can devote toward making something happen entrepreneurially that is i think you know the perfect situation uh, you know with the exception of maybe if you had a rich old uncle that just decides to give you a bunch of money so that you can just focus on the entrepreneurial aspect but you know if you've got a job and you have time when you can start that side hustle boy that's that's just a that's a that's a great position to be in right and you know you mentioned you know 10 hours 20 hours 30 hours and I'm gonna I never want to like correct my guests but even you know that's a lot of time you know people have kids people have meals to prepare and things like that and one of the funny things I learned during the pandemic is that cooking is a luxury in this case because not everybody has the skill to do it not everybody has the time to do it but even small amounts of time Rex you know even you know 20 minutes here 30 minutes there 10 minutes sometimes can make the biggest improvement in in what your entrepreneurial journey is. And I would encourage anybody, even if you are the busiest person out there, you can probably find a couple minutes to squeeze into the day with, hey, I should be thinking about this potential project I'm working on. And I really think that that's one of the things to, to really take from here, Rex. And, you know, you also mentioned that, you know, time is the investment here. And even if you start investing very small amounts, much like money, it eventually gets to a point where it becomes self-sustaining, which is pretty cool. So, that's that's true. One of the one of the tricks that I've that I've taken to doing the last ooh, eighteen months. Can't wait to hear this. Um, well, it's really simple, uh, stone tool simple. I, I I have a stack of three by five note cards, okay, and they're blank, and I I leave them up on the desk in the kitchen, and in the in in the course of life, because I have adult children that are at our house often because they live in the neighborhood. I've got a almost five-year-old granddaughter and my wife and I have a have a have a have a good wonderful life so mm -hmm. yeah time is time is precious but you know when I'm doing the dishes or you know whatever else I'm doing in the house an idea will strike me and it's like this is something I need to do I, I grab the pen I write it on a note card and I put it on this on the on the stairway that goes down to my office so that you know the next time I go down to my office, I'll act on it. But at least I've got it written down. And, you know, note cards or post-its or, you know, however you choose to, to keep yourself organized and focused and, and record those ideas are, are, are important. And give yourself permission to do that. It might sound kind of silly, but for me, it works really well. I don't know how, how you keep your, you know, I think of my ideas as like, kittens on meth and they're all over the place and I got to organize them. <laughs> That's a great tip for fledgling entrepreneurs, Rex, to say, listen, 
if you have ideas, write them down. They may not all be good ideas. They may actually, some of them might really suck. But write them down so you don't forget them because if you combine some of those, if you don't forget what you've done and can massage that at a later time into something much more marketable, palatable, uh, wider appeal, I think that that's incredibly valuable. Actually, you kind of preempted my next question here. What are a few more pieces of advice you have, Rex, for other folks who might be looking to just take their first couple steps on their entrepreneurial journey? I think the first thing I do is think of things practically, but not too practically. You know, we we live in a world where, you know, we've had people in entertainment and, and, you know, people of influence say, follow your dreams. You can do anything. And the reality is, is that's BS. You can't do anything. I'd like to fly. I can't fly. <laughs> you know, I, as, as, as hard as I've been trying, I've also been trying to make millions and millions and millions of dollars. I'm a smart guy. I'm not making millions of dollars as, as, as badly as I want to. So be practical. Think about, as I said, I'm going to, I'm going to go, I'm going to go back to what I said before, which is think about what you know, think about what you're capable of doing and figure out uh, how you can offer that to others and get paid for it. And, you know, whether that is sewing or writing or construction or whatever else, you know, you know those those are the things that I'd focus on. And be 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 kind to yourself, and be and be patient with yourself. I mean, I've I've had, I've started a number of businesses, and I, you know, I can I can say without any shame that most of them have failed. You know, I started a clothing business with with my wife, had high hopes, even had a huge order from Walmart. Really? And yeah, yeah. And, you know, we were, we, were, we were set to go big time. And then something happened in the, in the manufacturing process through the Walmart supply chain. And it all evaporated overnight. You know, a red flag went up in the production and somebody at Walmart shut it down. And we went from, you know, being probably a six-figure, you know, a, a, a company that had a six-figure income overnight to nothing. And, you know, we didn't have the ability, you know, to carry on after that. It was it was kind of a one trick pony and we needed one big sale to make it happen. Kind of took the legs out from under it, though. Yeah, it did. And you know what? That's okay. I also I had a speed shop, an automotive speed shop back in the 90s. And man, that was a ball. And I thought I was going to love it because I'm a car guy in Detroit. And I hated it. I just, I just, I, I, I hated almost everything about it, including my customers, which is terrible to say. <laughs> you know, that that goes back to being kind with yourself. You know, you may get into something and realize you're over your head. It's okay. You know, you might find that you get into something and you don't like it the way you thought you would. It's okay. All of those things you learn from. And you know, I don't want this to sound trite, but it but it does make you a smarter, better person. Simply because you gain experience through all of those things, even if they don't go well. And the wisdom that you get from 
things going sideways and unexpected things happening and from having to deal with disappointment and, you know, really serious financial challenges. Those, you know, harden you up and make you better to take another swing at things. And so be patient with yourself, be kind to yourself, know that, you know, things aren't going to go like they do in Disney movies and, you know, get back to that thought of what can I do practically. Definitely. And I think you made a a tremendous point there, Rex, about growth, which again is our theme for this uh, series of the show, but also that a large proportion of businesses, entrepreneurial or not, fail. And, you know, the one that always comes to mind for me is restaurants. I think it's what is it, something like two out of ten restaurants don't last six months. Four out of ten don't last a year, and like that's a, that's almost a fifty percent failure rate right there. And if you're getting beyond the two year mark, it's like three out of ten make it. It's ridiculous. So I think a lot of the the risk out there, a lot of the the apprehension that folks may have about being an entrepreneur is definitely warranted. But I think cushioning it with some of your advice of you're not going to know everything and that's okay and to take care of yourself and that's okay is definitely some some comfort uh, comfort food, no fun intended with the restaurants there, but uh, for folks who might be considering this, knowing that this is hard, this is a challenge and it takes, again, you said earlier, time. Time is the one resource that I think entrepreneurship runs on. Yeah, yeah, it really does. You know, and I want to say something else as an encouragement to folks. There are there are so many platforms that are that provide opportunities for entrepreneurs. Yes. You know, if you're a craft kind of person, there's the giant world of Etsy and, you know, the the communities and other sites that do the same thing as Etsy. For communications people like me, there are platforms like Upwork. And you know, I I have not told this to anybody, you know, out, out, outside of my family that, that knows that I did this. But I used Upwork pretty extensively in at the, probably in the third and the fourth quarter of 2020 when everything was really in the tank. Interesting. And, you know, I'm, I, as a as an executive creative director and as a speech writer for you know executives at you know fortune 15 companies i i i used to make pretty good money and i had a i i had a good hourly rate but when i didn't have anything but a small unemployment check coming in and you know i had done the work on my career snapshot that i could do and i still had time left over it was like i need to find some other work and so I, I went on to Upwork and I took writing jobs for $20 an hour. I took, you know, video jobs for, you know, I, I, w- I would do, you know, edited Facebook videos for $100 a video. And I mean, I was pounding the pavement. I was whacking the bushes and I was doing whatever I could do to, you know, earn a couple of bucks because that's what I do. You know, got to take care of my yeah. family, got to take care of myself. And it wasn't easy work. There was a lot of time involved and I wasn't making anywhere near what I used to make. But it was the right thing to do. And it's interesting. It has, even that work has paid dividends in that I am now working on a, on a, on a project with my older daughter who does quite a bit of work through Upwork. And we hope to be starting work on a big automotive training program for a company in North Carolina that came through 
Upwork after they saw the work that we had done earlier. Wow. I, you just, you never know what's going to happen. You know, so here the time I spent working for 20 bucks an hour, you know, and like I said, I, I was 58 years old making 20 bucks an hour. But, you know, I, it was it was what I felt I needed to do to, you know, to keep things going. And and I did, and I'm not sorry. I think I there's a, a massive level of humbleness that goes there. And for our listeners who might be really feeling down or maybe feeling that they're worth more, and we say that on this show a lot, you're worth more than your work. You are worth being paid fairly and things like that. We never encourage people to work for free or at least when, you know, to try to not undervalue themselves. But I think a, a wise investment like you made there, Rex, especially because later on it did pay off and, and, and really presented itself as a new opportunity. I think the humbling there of bringing yourself from an executive salary down to something that is more of an entry-level salary, I think that that speaks a lot to your character, and I speak, think that speaks a lot to perhaps what a fledgling entrepreneur may want to acclimatize themselves to, the fact that you may be working at a rate that is less than what you are truly worth temporarily, but it's something that you are investing in for the future and that it does indeed pay dividends. And I think there, there's a new episode idea that you just kind of produced here a moment ago in that we should talk about how Upwork works at some point in time so folks can, can get that, that handled for themselves. But as we're kind of closing things out here, Rex, you know, you've given a huge amount of advice to people who are looking to either start working for themselves if that's their right path. But let's shift gears here a little bit. And we've talked a little bit about this from the progress of your entrepreneurial with my career snapshot. And I think our listeners will be very eager to hear how it's kind of evolved because they've heard about it before, likely. But it's also a great chance, I think, for us to announce the partnership that we have here now between you and Recruiting Hell. So go ahead. Tell us how your little startup has sort of blossomed here. Sure. Well, and it, it has been driven as most businesses are by, you know, practical market forces. So we launched My Career Snapshot in September of 2020, so a little over a year ago. But I realized by by the end of 2020 that it was, you know, without a huge infusion of marketing cash, there was just no way that we would get the exposure that we needed. What I decided to do was, with people like you, partner up because you are always talking to people that are in the market for a new job. And those are exactly the people that can benefit from getting a career snapshot or even getting one of our new products like a LinkedIn profile background graphic. Those things help with networking. They help get people noticed so they can get hired. It worked for you. It I mean, I, I remember when we, when, when we talked about it. And everybody, Rob does have a career snapshot. I do, yes. And if, if anybody doubts that, they can ask me for it, and I will email it to them. <laughs> That's for there sure. It, it was a, such a critical thing because I can remember being in interviews where that particular piece of paper that the hiring manager had printed that had my, my career snapshot on it was the top thing on the pile. And I went... Ooh, this might be something that's really effective. So I included it with everything I possibly could. But yeah. keep her going there, Rex, because I think we, there's a little bit more to announce as far as, you know, we obviously we want to make sure that folks have great resources to go into interviews with, but I think there's some, something to help them out a little bit because of the partnership that we share here uh, as well. You know, first let me say, because 
this is you know a podcast and not a vlog and probably people haven't been to mycareersnapshot.com it is a one page interactive career infographic that we put together and it's very simple to do you get a link that gives you the opportunity and we we walk you through you uncovering and, and defining your own metrics then we take that information and we turn it into this fantastic looking graphic that has a really neat and unique iconography so that when somebody looks at something you know they look at the number they look at your caption and then there's this little line drawing that illustrates what your metric is about it communicates in just three or four seconds way more than a resume could ever the graphic is also interactive because we've got live links out to your email to your LinkedIn profile and we can we can go out to as many social media channels as you have right from the document because people are using these digitally as well as printed out you said that you saw your printed out uh, snapshot in the you know on on the desk of the HR manager that you were talking Correct, to. Correct. Yes. I've had so many people tell me that when they were doing you know Zoom interviews, that and when the hiring manager would share their screen, they'd see their career snapshot up so on the screen. It's on the virtual desk too, and I and you're almost. I think back to what I was saying a little bit earlier, you're almost setting them up to ask you about these things that you know really well. And the one thing I thought that was really neat about about the graphics on, on here, Rex, that was a really nice touch that I thought your team added to mine was they researched the awards I've won. And they had little, like there's a, it's, it's called a Stevie. It's the customer service Oscars, basically. They had a little Stevie award next to that. And they had, you know, an iPod next to, you know, me talking about how many podcast episodes I've produced, which I should actually probably have you update that because the last time I had produced podcast episodes, I think I had 23 with my new gig from doing all of this. I've now, I counted it out the other day. I've produced almost 600 podcast episodes, which is wild. So you know, folks, take a look at mycareersnapshot.com. It's, again, something that we trust very deeply here on uh, Recruiting Hell. And, of course, it is a product that we, we love to endorse and, and make something get to you at a uh, the best price possible because of the partnership we have with Rex. That code that we did decide on for nice and easy was HELL22, and that's H-E-L-L-2-2. And if you enter that at My Career Snapshot on the checkout page, uh, there's a little little box, if I recall correctly, that'll help you get that very best price on uh, your My Career Snapshot. And I can tell you, as the host of this show, this is a product that I stand firmly behind, and this is a person who I stand firmly partnered with. And if you trust me to be helpful in your job hunt, I firmly believe that you can trust my career snapshot to have the same amount of integrity and efficacy for your job hunt. So again, Rex, it's incredibly generous of you to again, partner with us and folks, you'll be hearing uh, more about this, you know, kind of mid roll ads and fun stuff like that throughout the rest of the season. This is one of those steps that you can take to really boost who you are and what you look like to hiring managers whether it's in the application process or in the actual interview process, it's a great roadmap to your career. And it's also something that is tremendously useful in prepping the people who are going to be talking to you in the interview about what to ask you about. So you can almost have softball questions, I would think. It uh, definitely reduces some of that uh, that friction. Uh
of, you know, what are they going to ask about? Thank you again, my friend, about telling us how your little startup has grown and offering something so tremendously generous. Before I cut you loose, we're coming down to the end here, and I warned you about this. This is a section that's not here. It wasn't here last time, but it's called Quickfire. And uh, for those of you who uh, haven't been tuned into the show for a long time, this is something we started about 20 episodes ago back in at the beginning of Series 3. And we're going to keep this for the foreseeable future and probably distill all the knowledge out of it because we've gotten some of the best advice on this show out of these next three questions. So Rex, the questions, they're a bit rapid fire, but that doesn't mean they have to be one word answers. Are you ready? I am ready. All right. So Rex, what is the number one thing you think is wrong with the way that the modern job search works? The internet. Interesting. (laughs) I'll tell you, you know, there is, there is, there is a benefit to casting a wide net sure. when you're when you're looking for candidates, but there is also a a disadvantage of casting a net that's so wide. And when you open up the job search, you know, to millions and millions through job boards and things like that, it just it makes the the selection process inhumane. And I think that's what a lot of people are dealing with. You know, the volume of candidates that a, that, that a typical job, you know, an HR manager has to, has to wade through is really untenable. And it's made the job very difficult for them. And I think that's what's behind what we would consider the inhumane, you know, processes that we're all subject to, you know, getting ghosted, not getting responses when we make an application, right. all, all those types of things. And so while I get it, you know, I'm old enough to remember how, you know, companies used to have a personnel department. And, you know, the first thing that people, you know, that somebody in the personnel department would do when they needed to go hire somebody is they would go to the department that had the need and say, hey, who would you guys hire? Do you have anybody for us? <laughs> and normally somebody would go, yeah, well, well, why don't you hire Sally or Joe? I used to work with them. They were great. Well, that's what the person would go do, you know, and as long as, you know, they weren't on crack or something like that, it's like they bring them in and they usually worked out just fine. I kind of long for those old days when things were a lot simpler like that. And, you know, I don't want to get hate mail from HR people that say, well, you can't do that now and you've got to do all these other things. I I get the regs and I understand that there are practical and legal things, but it's like the system now is is really seriously broken. And I, I don't think that it yields better results for people. Interesting. I think on, you have a great point there on, on kind of two sides. Uh, the first being it's when, you know, good people know good people, which is a great thing. Now there is a dark side to that where, you know, there's nepotism that can sneak in. And I'm sure, you know, many years ago, that was a, a balance between two things. Either people were brought in people who were quality that they knew. And yeah, it's not what you know, it's who you know sometimes these days, and maybe those days too. But also, you know, you you cut down on things like diversity when you're just, you know, hiring people's friends, if you will, in that case. So I can definitely see the weaknesses there. And honestly, I, I, I do hope, if somebody has hate mail out there for, for us, I hope we get it. Because I've always seen hate mail as a sign of success. If somebody is 
is upset <laughs> enough with you to write in and say, hey, I really disagree with what you've said. I, I think that that's a fabulous thing. It's a great engagement in this case. But again, we, we value diversity here on the show. And Rex, I know you do value diversity as well, oh, which course. is uh, outstanding. But yeah, you have a point where we've perhaps come, reached a, a, a tipping point, or maybe it's a tipping point a long time ago, where a single human being even if they are a tremendous human resources professional, is simply overwhelmed by the floodgate of applications and applicants that the world has opened them to. So great response for that. Next one, what's the one thing you've seen with the modern job hunt that everyone doesn't do that they should start doing? People hate networking, generally speaking. Some people like it, I get that. But generally speaking, people don't like to network because they don't want to appear to be needy or asking for things. You know, I would challenge people to turn the tables on that and start to reach out in a way that isn't, isn't so one-sided. You know, you said earlier in the podcast, you know, you can't just go out and say, hey, I need a job, right? you know, or hey, get me a job or whatever it is like that with, with that kind of answer. I approach networking with a, what can I do for you? Or can you give me some insights on this particular question as opposed to help me, you know, give me a job. Those, you know, the help me and the give me a job thing, not going to work. But if, if I knew, Rob, for instance, that there was a job open at your day gig and it looked like it was in my wheel, I could, because I'm in your network, I could say, hey, Rob, can you give me some inside information on that, on, you know, who I should talk to, and if, you know, what do you think about my skills lining up with something like that? I think in a networking environment, those are, you know, very appropriate questions, and you're using your network in a, in a very appropriate and logical way. You nailed it there, because a lot of folks have said people aren't networking to that question. But you're, you've nailed it there, Rex, with the two questions that you closed with of how do I fit? How, what can you tell me about this? But again, that's not necessarily looking to be give me a job. It's asking somebody's opinion. Everybody has opinions. Again, you're talking about the hate mail earlier. People got opinions and they're usually pretty strong. So I think that's fantastic. And last but not least, Rex, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, before we get to question number three, one of the things, that second question and, and, and my answer to the second question about networking being so important, mm -hmm. that was one of the reasons I created my career snapshot. The reality is snapshots make it easier to network. You know, sending a resume while, while networking is not a great idea because there's an implicit ask then for somebody yes. to read through the resume. And, you know, reading resume, if you're going to do it earnestly, you know, that's, that's, that's a commitment. But when you have a snapshot, it's like, hey, Rob, do you think that somebody in the marketing department would be interested in seeing my snapshot? And, you know, that's a really good entree to open up a conversation. And that's what you want networking to be about, to start that conversation that might take you down a path that leads to an opportunity. And you know, the, the funny thing you mentioned about it being such a quick uh, burst of information to people, we, uh, we had one of my colleagues on here about 15 episodes ago, Dan Sanchez, and he said he doesn't even look at resumes anymore. He's actually coincidentally our marketing guy. 
He doesn't even look at resumes anymore. What he looks at is people's LinkedIn and the little things that are basically flash pictures, snapshots of what somebody's doing right now, whether it's entrepreneurial, work experience, whatever it might be. That's what folks in, I guess, progressive HR, if you will, are doing rather than, you know, waiting and wading through these resumes, looking at them for six seconds and then tossing them into the do not hire pile in this case. So great, great uh, add on there, my friend. And then lastly, Rex, what's the number one LinkedIn tip you've got for us today? Keep your profile up to date, you know, be, be active. And, and again, I'm going to go back to something that that I've noticed, you know, I've, 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 I've been in this world now for about 18 months. And one of the things that just kills me is the opportunity that people miss in their LinkedIn profile background. That huge horizontal picture that goes behind your little circle profile picture is space that can say something about you. Most people choose to do nothing with that space. You know, guys will put up pictures of, you know, them on a speedboat or fishing, or maybe they'll put up a sunset. I personally, when I put my LinkedIn profile together so many years ago, I had a picture of the skyline of Detroit. I thought that was great. That makes sense, yes. It does. But you know what? When I look at it as a marketer, you have just wasted a huge opportunity. It's a billboard. It is a a virtual billboard. It is a virtual billboard. It's a, it's a billboard that can tell hiring managers or colleagues about your skills, your capabilities. If you have a website, you can even put a URL on it. You can put, you know, if you have a favorite quote that you like from someone, you can put that in there. So that's what we do. As a matter of fact, you need one of those. Day job's renting that one out for now, that's for sure. But <laughs> that's ah, okay. definitely something right, that, no, it's funny. But you're, you're right, though, Rex, is that... Part of our branding on my day job is that we have that background and it's it's universal and I think actually I, I might have the old, I might need to update that anyway, but like it's universal amongst all of us at the company that you know that we work for Sweetfish Media. You know that we work there because of the way that our LinkedIn profiles are branded. And I think the, the big tip that you gave to people there is that that is space for rent If as far as don't just throw a picture of Yellowstone in there. Don't just throw your you and your dog and your, your partner or whatever it might be. It's a billboard to advertise what you can do at a glance. Picture's worth a thousand words, just like a my career yes, snapshot. It is. it is, you know, when you and you said the word branding. Yes. It is it is absolutely personal branding. And you know that that is that is such an important thing to do on LinkedIn that 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 most people don't. You know, and so use that space properly. And also, I'd really encourage people to use their 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 profile picture appropriately. You know, I've seen I've seen way too many pictures of you know people profile photos of people, and the photos were obviously taken when they were on vacation or at a wedding. Sure, or, you know got half an arm showing in you know in the picture and you know the arm has a different sleeve on it it's obviously that you know you were standing next to somebody that had their arm around you and you're using that as your linkedin profile picture when it's so simple you know with today's you know smartphone cameras and things like that you can you can take such great photographs you know 
take 10 minutes and take a good snapshot of yourself in appropriate business attire, you know, when you, when you don't have a mimosa in your hand. Right. And that's actually, that's really funny that you mentioned that. Cause I, like I have a professional headshot and I actually was just working on an episode of a, a show the other day for my day job where there was that kind of an image, uh, being presented for a, a graphic that was going to go with the show. And it actually wound up with the, the guest being off center in the image. And I, I pinged him for it. And I said, Hey man, you know, this is a, an image that is, is off center. Can we get something a little bit more you in the, in the middle and things like that? And he says, Nope, I want it just like that. And I'm like, that doesn't brand you very well, man, because you know, you're looking at me on this, this video screen that our, our listeners obviously can't see, but we do video to, to help the chat here. And, you know, he was, I'm in the center of it now and I'm going to move to the, to where he was in the photo that he wanted to put on it. Yeah. <laughs> and for those of you who could not see that, I moved all the way to the left of my video image and had basically about half of my face off screen, if you will. And I, and that's something that definitely should not be present in your LinkedIn profile because people are going to judge that as much as we don't want to be judging. People are going to say, wow, man, they just really didn't do a great job on this photo, maybe they don't care about other things that are either detail-oriented or they just don't care. So fabulous responses, Rex, uh, across the board, again, that that things are a billboard there and that it should represent your brand in that case, unless it's, you know, being rented out like mine is basically by my company, you know, and it's very nice. They They say, you know, you don't have to do that or anything like that, but for what it drives for us for business, it's, it pays for us to have that branding there, which is really wild. So Rex, it is, we have boiled down to it, man. This is one of the longest conversations I think I've ever had on this, on this show. We'll, we'll push this through editing and make it into something really tremendous. But as it is the end of the show, my friend, if folks wanted to find more about you, what you're all about and follow you on social media, where would they look? Sure. Well, if they want to find out more about Rex Roy and the communications work that I do, they can go to Rex Regis, R-E-G-I-S Roy, Rex Regis Roy, dot com. And that is my, you know, professional site. And mycareersnapshot.com is where there's everything snapshot related and where they can uh, plug in Hell 22 to get 70 bucks off a purchase. That's absolutely awesome. And again, so generous, Rex. Again, folks, that code is Hell 22 and that'll get you 70 bucks off of your purchase at mycareersnapshot.com. And again, something we double down on here at Recruiting Hell is how effective this was and how how I saw this particular piece, this add-on to my resume, how it just kept appearing, which was just outstanding. So it has been an absolute pleasure having you down here in Recruiting Hell again, my friend. Thank you for sitting in the hot seat today again, Rex. It was a pleasure and I look forward to doing it again, maybe in uh, 2023. We'll see how it goes.
As we draw this episode to a close, remember, you are worth more than your work. Your value to society is not dictated by what you do to pay your bills. Job hunting is difficult, no matter your age, gender, location, or background, and it's both acceptable and to your benefit to seek every bit of help in conquering this challenge. For more from Recruiting Hell, subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast player or our YouTube channel. And don't forget to leave a review of the show if your podcast platform allows it. It's tremendously helpful. Connect with Rob via LinkedIn. Be sure to visit recruiting-hell.com to subscribe to our newsletter. And of course, follow the show all across social media. Just look for the orange and blue flame logo. Recruiting Hell is a production of Westport Studios and is proudly made in Wisconsin. Lastly, be sure to visit and support our sponsors. They make it possible to do this show and make it better every single week. Remember, your job hunt is a marathon, not a sprint, and Recruiting Hell will be here to help you keep pace. Thanks for listening.